Hey, what's up, guys? It's John Nelson, and this is the Starting Block Podcast. Welcome. Guys, if you are new to the show, I want to say thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being here. I'm going to give you a breakdown of how we operate. First off, guys, our show is a show for complete athletic development, and our our mission is to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. There's so many different you know, sources of information out there. And a lot of them are, you know, geared towards the coaches specifically, like a strength coach specifically or therapist. Our job here is to bring you the information, you know, as a, as a parent, as a coach, you know, and help you help your athlete find the right resources and tools that they need. And so that's really what our mission is. And uh, we have a couple different episodes. So we're a little different than most shows. We have our format, we have three different episodes within our show. The first one that you're going to hear is going to be a Q&A. That's where myself and my co-host, Chris Scarborough, what's hey up? Hey, guys. That's where Chris and I will come on and we'll answer your questions that you guys submit to us. Now, if you've been listening, you know we actually have a new platform you can submit those questions to. Our new website is up. It is www.startingblockpodcast.com, and you can submit the questions there at, uh, at through the website or at info at startingblockpodcast.com. And Chris and I will answer those questions on that Q&A episode. The next episode we have is going to be a guest interview, which is what today is, and I'll bring our guest on here in just a second. And that guest interview is where Chris and I will bring our colleagues in from across the country and across the pond, and they're going to share their stories of success and how they win with their clients, their patients. We have a huge variety, everyone from strength coaches to PTs to chiros to to doctors and orthos, and just a great network of different people across the country for you guys. And then your final episode is going to be that Friday Factor Fire. Sometimes it bleeds into that Saturday sermon. I like to call it the guided wisdom. Some people call it anger, but it's basically me yelling at you for about 10 to 20 minutes about some stuff that might be more motivational related business side of, you know, sport or something that just happened in the facility. I feel like I need to, you know, talk to you guys about, um, that's our show breakdown guys. Um, there also is a fee and I want to remind you guys that we do this organically and our mission here is to help you guys win. And all we ask in exchange is that you please share our show. Please just subscribe to it and leave us a review. It takes two minutes out of your day. And that's nothing for the amount of information that you guys are getting from some of our coaches and some of our colleagues. And we just, we would greatly appreciate that. So please share the show if you don't mind. And uh, I think I cover all the housekeeping stuff. Chris, is there anything else I missed? Five-star review. No. Okay. Yeah. 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 I <laughs> leave mean, us if, a uh, review if and suck, give us five then, stars. Know. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if we suck, then don't leave us a review. But if we're good, leave us a five-star review. Um, But, all right, so, anyways, now we're past all that stuff. Let's get to it. Guys, today's a guest interview, and we are super excited to welcome Brad Damon from Elite Athlete Training Systems up in Canada. What's up, bro? Hello, hello. How's it going down there? Ah, man, it's good. good. It's a little warmer down here than it is up there, I bet. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's cold. It's cold up here today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, before the show, Chris, I think before you even jumped on, Brad and I were sitting here trying to convert like Celsius to Fahrenheit. And it's like, there's a reason that I think we're in this field. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, we're strength coaches <laughs> for a, a reason. Not a yeah. doctor or something it's like that. A, yeah, it is 75 degrees Fahrenheit right now. That's all I know. Yeah. I don't know. It's okay. pretty nice. Wow. Pretty nice yep. down here. Yep. Pretty nice. So, um, 
Yeah, this is uh, this is actually our second attempt at this interview, guys. We uh, we had Brad on a couple months ago, and I think it's just because he's literally like up near Alaska that we had some, <laughs> <laughs> we had some connection problems. So he was kind enough to jump back on and redo this with us. Um, but Brad, tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, about your facility, and we'll just kind of talk some shop, man. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we're up in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So one of the most northern major cities in the world. And uh, it gets cold. It's still cold. Uh, spring isn't here yet. Um, I started playing football. That was my like my main love and passion as a kid. I started playing at like nine or 10 years old, uh, played all the way through high school, ended up uh, trying out for like a junior team up here, which would be kind of like a JUCO, I guess, down in the States. But there wasn't like a school associated with it. you just play and you can work. Um, I tried out for that team, ended up having some concussion issues along with a massive lack of talent. So football career ended for me there. But uh, after football, I knew I needed something to compete in. Um, I was at the gym one day deadlifting and, and my buddy Joe came up to me and he said, hey, man, have you ever done the powerlifting meet? And I was like, what? what is that? I've never heard of that. And so he introduced me to the world of powerlifting. Uh, I did my first meet in 2000, late 2010, early 2011. Um, loved it, loved the training process of it. Um, I was working as an O-line coach with the high school team that I played for. They brought in another O-line coach that was way better than me. So I had to kind of readjust if I wanted to keep, you know, helping out the team and, and doing what I could. So there was a strength conditioning role that was open. Um, I was a power lifter looking to get into that stuff. So I decided to take that on. There was actually one of the kids on the team who is now a physio um, and one of the first, well, he was the first athlete I trained. He, he would just bug me every day when he got to the gym. He was in grade 12 at the time. And he'd say, teach me how to squat, teach me how to squat. And I'd be like, man, I, I just want to do my workout. I'll see you at practice kind of thing. Um, but he's just pestering me every day. So finally, I was like, all right, I'll teach you to squat. Uh, we, he ended up hitting 315 that day. He was really pumped. I was like, this is cool. I could, I could do this for a living. I could do this every day. So <clears throat> that was kind of the initial phase of Elite Athlete Training Systems before I knew what it was going to become. Um, again, that was like circa 2011, 2012. Um, I spent... 2013, 20 or 2012, 2013, just kind of training people under the table for free, just trying to gain some experience, mostly football players. Um, in 2014, yeah, I'm going to interrupt you right there for two yeah, yeah. seconds because what you just said is huge. And this is kind of where these Friday, Saturday episodes we do come in. But mm -hmm. like you just said it, man, you hustled, like hustled. you grinded to get there. Oh yeah, hustled, yeah. 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 And I. Yeah. I Man, today, like, if there are any young listeners out here and you have aspirations of being a coach or something like, man, you got to hustle in this industry. Mm -hmm. This is not easy. There's yeah. massive turnover, massive turnover, you know. And so I just want to stop and make that point because I've been there too, man. Yeah, Still absolutely. Still hustling, but, you know. Yeah, um, for sure. It never ends. <laughs> geez, no, no, it doesn't. But, um, no, keep, keep going, man. So, so you're hustling, training some folks for free. Yeah, training people yeah. for free, which is, you know, for me, like at that point, I wasn't even comfortable charging. I wasn't even thinking of charging money. I see a lot of coaches come out and they, they ask me like what they should charge when they're when they're new to coaching. I was like, it should be free. You should get some experience and, and figure out what yeah. you're doing. Right. But yeah, you can't come um, out and make, you know, one hundred thousand dollars right out of college, two or three years yeah. out of college or yeah, whatever yeah. that is in Canadian dollars. The level of entitlement when people think that's how it works. But dude, for real. Yeah. So yeah, like 2013, 2014, I, I went to school to be a personal trainer. Um, I ended up incorporating the company in 2014, February 2014. 
I worked out of a, uh, it's called the Tri-Leisure Center here. It's kind of like a YMCA, like a multi-use facility. I was contracted as a personal trainer in the weight room there. Um, did that through till 2016 and then finally had enough of that. I had enough money like to the penny to get the doors open on my own place and nothing in savings. So I rolled the dice and, and figured it out on the way. So uh, you were we, training at like a, at a YMCA. Yeah, even yeah. probably even worse than YMCA. Probably <laughs> right, this is like guys, a small town guys, facility. For those of you that are listening on audio, like we're going back because Brad's being humble. Brad's a freaking beast, guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, big dude, squat, beard, tattoos. Yeah. Like that's uh, <laughs> that's funny, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I actually you, I can see you at the Y. <laughs> yeah, when I first started, I had, I had like a, a couple arm tattoos, but no, I wasn't really covered. I got the yeah. job, and then three weeks later, I got my throat tattoo, which is kind of covered by the beard now. But uh, I remember my boss when I walked in that day. He's like, "What? What are you doing?" <laughs> like, and that's kind of that was kind of the start of the end as I started tattooing the head and stuff, and, and we had to get out of there. But yeah, that was that was wild times, man. It was actually there wasn't even like a deadlift platform in there. I was just deadlifting in the middle of the gym, and everyone hated it when uh, when Joe came up and asked me about powerlifting. So we actually like powerlifting is huge in Spruce Grove and in Edmonton now. It's it's grown everywhere. Like the sport is growing, but like there were no powerlifters when we started, and now that's like that's the thing to do. All the kids after school go to the gym and, and powerlift, yeah. and I think that's great. I think that's awesome. But yeah, we. Humble beginnings there. They had one half rack that it was like one of those hammer strength half racks with the, the hooks weren't even adjustable in it. You just had five <laughs> options for heights. And But hey, we made it work. We, we just wanted to get the work in. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, 2016, we opened the facility and uh, we're still in that location now. Um, lease is up next year and we'll, we'll be looking to expand into a bigger space uh, when that lease comes up. But yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride since 2016 for sure. Yeah. So I definitely want to ask you about, you know, the business and, and everything. Cause you guys do some really awesome stuff. Um, you know, I, I want to hear a little bit about your powerlifting career though. I mean, yeah. I mean, the last time you competed, see, I do my research, man. The last time you competed was what? 2017, I believe. Yeah. 2017, 2018. Yeah, 2018. Okay. And what you had, a, you had a 633 bench. Yeah. 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 And 904 squat. squat. 633 bench and then a pathetic 601 deadlift. Oh, man, that's <laughs> what happened? <laughs> well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm short and fat. That's what happened. <laughs> like, great bench yeah. build, really good squat build, terrible deadlift build. Yeah. Um, I also had, I, I just had a really weak lower back that would always get hurt. And it wasn't until probably about a year and a half ago now where I really started. I was like, no mercy. I'm just going to try to snap my spine off and see either adapt or die, right? And when I really started pushing heavy reverse hypers, heavy good mornings, um, all, all that lower back directed work, my deadlift now, I, I pulled, what did I hit? I hit 500 without a belt. I did 545 with a belt for speed work. So my deadlift is definitely up. I got a meet coming up in August, so I'm, I'm excited to see what I pull at that. Oh, really? So you, um, you're making a little bit of a comeback, yeah? We're making a comeback, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want to compete at the level I was at before, but I, I do need something to to drive those competitive juices i gotta put yeah. it somewhere you know yeah yeah for sure what what uh like federation do you compete in uh this meet what that i'm doing or? in august is going to be wrpf which is a newer fed okay. um in canada i'm not sure if they're in the states yet but it's it's they do uh raw sing, uh i think it's raw and multiply i don't think they have a single ply division um mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's a worldwide federation it was uh one of the russian lifters was it uh it wasn't kk one of the big russian lifters started it um, I think in 2015 or something. So my buddy who owns Misfit, um, a couple, a couple hours away from here, he, he kind of bought the rights to the Canadian Federation. So he runs it all. 
Um, so yeah, that was that was yeah. the meet I had to jump into. Uh, before that, I've competed in GPC, which is a Global Powerlifting com- Committee or Community, I think it stands for. I've done IPF meets. Um, I've been I've been through a few. Fits. So explain that yeah. why you're why yeah, you're, I, I was why you're, ahead, Chris. explain what what that means raw, you know, single, you know, whatever mm-hmm. multiplier, whatever. I mean, just explain the different you know aspects of that. Um, you know what what that means because yeah. a lot of our audience has never power lifted and don't really keep up with that as a sport. So yeah, yeah, it's a pretty yeah. esoteric sport right now. Um, so raw is I mean that's that's how it all started. It was guys going to the gym, lifting as much weight as they could. They'd throw a belt on, but there really was no gear. We we see bench shirts and squat suits now, but that stuff didn't exist back then. So everyone would lift raw, which means you just have a belt. Some feds allow wrist wraps and and still consider it raw. Some allow knee wraps, but for the most part, raw means you're just wearing a belt and some chalk on your hands, and you're going to squat, bench, deadlift as much as you can. And is that the um, difference, like, with the classic raw and, and raw? Because, like, my stepdaughter's getting is wanting to compete after softball season's done. Yeah. And, like, I'm trying to figure out the difference between raw, classic raw. I think classic raw, it, and, again, every fed has their own little definition for it. That's one of the issues with powerlifting, why the sport won't grow, is because everyone makes their own little federation with their own rules. But generally, classic raw would mean, like, just a belt. And then raw would mean like you could wear knee wraps and wrist wraps, but classic raw would be like what they were doing in the seventies when, when the sport first started. Um, but it was actually, it was Fred Hatfield, Dr. Squat, who, as far as I know, he, he wrapped a bed sheet around himself as tight as he could. And that was like the first squat suit. And then he had, instead of, cause they had like hooks that you'd stand up with the squat and then you'd have to walk it out of the hooks. But he there, he realized there's no rule against it, so what he would do is stand up with the bar and then have the spotters pull the rack out of the way so he could just squat in place and then walk it into the hook. So that's how the monolift was born, which is now, like, if you see monoliths in videos, it's like this big monstrous machine that you stand up with the bar and the hooks move out of the way so you can just squat in place. You don't have to move your feet or anything. Makes it way safer. It also helps you lift more weight, obviously, because you can, you can brace and get tight without the weight on your back. Um, so that's, that's sort of with the invention of, well, what was a bed sheet and then became a single ply squat suit. So that's just like one layer of polyester. And then with the sport, the type of person that's drawn to the sport of powerlifting is an extreme person, right? So they're going to add more layers of polyester. So that's where we start to see multiply lifting. So raw is generally just with a belt, sometimes with knee wraps, single ply equipped lifting means you wear a squat suit, a bench shirt, and maybe a deadlift suit or a squat suit for your deadlift. But that's just one thin layer of polyester. And then multiply is as many layers as you want, multiple layers. And that's what I compete in is the multiply. That's kind of like, in my opinion, that's like the the high-speed drag racing of the sport. That's the, the rocket fuel division. I think like raw is a great display of strength. But if everybody, <laughs> if everyone's nutrition is on point, if everyone's training is on point, then if we're going to have a raw meet, everyone should know what they're going to lift regardless. So do we really need to do this? Whereas if we do a multiply meet, if I get my shirt on properly, I can get an extra 100 pounds out of my bench. Or if I mess up putting my shirt on, I could lose 100 pounds on my bench. So to me, it kind of made it an X factor. That's what made it a sport was the equipment, you know, because football players don't play football without helmets. So to me, I was I, I didn't want to just be the best at working out. I wanted to learn how to use the equipment and, and make something, you know, in, in the multiply world. Okay. So... <clears throat> Uh, you're going to see how, how good of a, of a host and professional I am here. Watch this segue, okay? This is going to be amazing. So having a history in powerlifting, how do you relate that to athletics? So, you know, I think there comes a point in time where we all have to, you know, a lot of athletes, especially younger, like, you know, junior high, high school kids, like they're always, you know, they want a big squat. They want a big bench. They want a big deadlift. But there comes a point in time where you have to be an athlete as well. 
And Absolutely. so, you know, so again, here's the segue right there. How, <laughs> how do you how do you evaluate that, you know, as a as a coach who primarily works with athletes now? Because that is right, correct? Yeah. You, you yeah. work primarily with athletes now. Yeah, I only have one powerlifter that I'm working with now. I try not to work with powerlifters because they're such a, a finicky group, and I, I know because I am one. So um, <laughs> it's, it's not the most fun in the world to train powerlifters. Plus, they're only doing three things. So as far as programming and coaching, it's it's pretty straightforward stuff. But, yeah, yeah so what's we, your we... take on that? Yeah, like all these kids that want to get their get these lifts up really high, how, how, mm-hmm. do, you, how do you deal with that? I think like I think it's a great thing. Get after it, right? I, I, especially if we're talking like younger, like teenage kids. I think I don't think that getting stronger can fix everything, but I think it can check a lot of boxes and fix a lot of things. And if there's something else that that needs to be fixed outside of getting stronger, if you have a base of strength, that's probably a lot easier to do. Um, but there is definitely a ceiling of like how strong do you need to be to execute your sport, right? So um, primarily, most of our athletes are, are young enough that this would be like their first time in the gym, or maybe they've, they've been to the gym by themselves, but don't know what to do. So a lot of what we're doing is just building that base level of strength. Um, but when we get to like our pro athletes and stuff, that's where we're starting to, to account for variables more than, than with the younger kids. And it's like, okay, we're going to do this max strength stuff, but we also need to be jumping. We also need to be sprinting. We also need to be doing these other things to ensure that we maintain your, and improve your athleticism, right? I think a big thing that, that we do a great job of is that we and myself, like I, I know what I'm good at. I'm the strength coach. So I'm not telling anyone how to catch a football better. I'm not telling anyone, you know, more effective sprint technique because I don't run anywhere. Um, I'll just I'll help you get stronger, right? That's and how that's you got into powerlifting. absolutely. And if I, I mean it's I've had it happen where where kids will come to me or, or like college college age kids and they'll be like I need to get faster, I need to get better at running, and I have no problem saying, hey, that's great. That's not what I offer. Here's a few guys that I know that could do that for you, right? And and refer out to that. So I think the biggest takeaway for any young coach is to and it was Donnie Thompson that told me this early in my career because I asked him a question about speed training. And he, was, he said, are you a speed coach? And I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm a strength coach. He's like, all right, well, send him to a speed coach then. You know what I mean? So um, know what you're good at and, and stick to your lane and then develop those relationships with people outside of your lane because you do need to refer out. You're going to need a physio to send people to. You're going to need a chiro. You're going to need a speed coach. You're going to need a nutritionist, right? We can't do everything. So we, we know what we do well. We double down on it and then refer out for anything else that's needed. But yeah, I think that I think the strength base is is huge for kids. So I think go after it and get it. But if it if you start to notice that that's taking away from your athleticism, then I would definitely back that down and and focus more on like jumping, sprinting, stuff like that. So how do you evaluate that with these kids? What what are some of your, you know, parameters that you want to set for their strength levels? Part of the issue is that with with kids playing now like football is like year round. Or, or they're playing another sport, which I think is great. Like, let's play as many sports as we can. I don't think we should play football all year round. But it's hard to put together anything more than, like, a six-month training cycle for most kids. So we're not really getting to the point where they're getting too strong. Um, I would say maybe once or twice we've had that happen. But I, I, the big assessment for us is, like, are, is your box jump going down? Are you becoming less explosive? Are you, you know, these these different factors? If, if you could fly through the warm-up, which our warm-up is dynamic and hard, um, if you can fly through that and then all of a sudden you're slowing down and that's taking longer to do, then we're probably leaning a little too much on the strength side and not enough <clears throat> on the explosive strength side. Um, but we don't necessarily have like a formal assessment for how we do that. It's just kind of a coach's eye to, to see so what's going on. So you just mentioned the war- you, just, you made the comment of explosive strength. Is it the things like the jumps that mm-hmm. you're referring to? Is that what you use to develop most of your explosive strength? Yeah. Or what about 
primarily jumps. Uh, yeah, and, and Sorry, also go ahead. you have one that's used for upper body. I mean, clearly jumps for for lower, but uh... yeah, jumps for lower body. I like uh, we call them plyo push ups or ballistic push ups. So we'll have like hands on a box, and then you kind of pop off, land on the ground, do a push up back onto the boxes, um, and we'll also we'll take the power lifts, but we'll do them. You know, the intensity that you're loading at is going to determine what you're getting out of the lift, right? So if we're loading in that 80 to 100% range, then we're talking max strength, maybe even absolute strength if we're up over 100%. But if we want to build the explosive strength, which is like what we're doing for my CFL guys that are going to camp in six weeks, we'll put 30% of their max on the bar and then add 40% in bands. So 70% total, but a 30-40 split, and then just move that bar as fast as you can. We'll even like, I like to put a foam pad on the chest so they can really drop it and just throw it up as hard as they can. Um, explosive rows. I like to put bands on like the CSR machine and just focus on moving as explosively as possible. I always tell the athletes like you train slow to be slow, train fast to be fast, right? So if, if we want to build that explosiveness, I think it's less about what you're doing and more about the intent that you do it with, right? You could you could use any exercise as Amen. long as you're doing it explosively, you can build that explosive power. Yes, yeah, it's the intent. The intent matters. Agreed. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, Oh, I was just, I was going to go back to, you know, your, <clears throat> I want to give you credit for your warmups for sure. Cause like your, your, your warmups are brutal. Like, you know, we've, we've communicated on, on IG for quite a few years and I, I'll, I'll make it publicly known to pay my karmic debt that I have stolen so much stuff <laughs> from you over yeah. the years. You're, <laughs> you're super creative. Um, which is awesome because I'm not. I, I like what I like, and I'm not creative. I know it's, yeah. you know, a, a flaw of mine for sure amongst many. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you being kind of a West Side guy, and you know the the details that come in with, like you said, loading parameters and, and bands and chains and all the the West Side type of theory. How do you manage that with? And maybe it's different in Canada. I don't know, but how do you manage that with? these high school athletes or college athletes even that have a lot of, you know, squatting and power cleaning in their programs. And, you know, you got to worry about the recovery periods and and, and joints and everything else. How do you handle all that on your side? Yeah. So generally up here, like, like down South in the States, I think most kids will have like a strength program in their high school that they'll do. And then they might have a private coach on the side. There's no such thing as a high school strength coach up here. Wow. Most most schools don't even have gyms up here. You, need, you like, want a business partner? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the way we're trying to get in that niche for sure. All right, all but, right. I might uh, I've talked to my wife about that one. We might uh, move up there. Yeah. Like when I, I went to a, a high school in a little town called Stony Plain, we had a weight room, but there's a town five minutes west of us, Spruce, where I'm at now. <clears throat> Their high school didn't even have a weight room. Like they had two, <clears throat> excuse me, they had two gymnasiums but no weight room. Same with the the Catholic school that was down the road from that. So we don't really have the issue of like, oh, I lifted at school today. What can I do in the gym? So if someone's like with a strength coach doing all those squats and pulls and stuff, then they're probably a university kid that's in that program and not training with us currently. Um, the big issue that I run into is coaches just like running kids into the ground. Like they'll have them run gassers or, or greyhounds around the field. Like that type of stuff can really affect training. But there isn't a big overlap of, of kids lifting. If anything, it's like, we have a few kids that'll go to the gym and lift before they come lift with us. Cause they think they need that extra volume and work that can definitely get frustrating. Yes. Um, but that's, that's an education piece, right? That's on us as coaches for not explaining how training works physiologically and, and how important rest is and how important it is to control these parameters yeah, so around many training, things, and especially, you know, as you mentioned here in the South, I mean, there's crazy amounts of money <laughs> from, from, from uh, booster clubs mm-hmm. and what have you 
they're going into you know facilities which include a lot of times these weight rooms which are are by the way these aren't even just the wealthy schools yeah these are the they, oh yeah. absolutely it's public schools too probably the public school it, like here crazy. where we are in Collierville we have the largest we have 95 million dollar high school like when wow. kids go from Collierville High School to college sometimes they're actually like yeah, the facilities, facilities are crazy. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> you know, so we know we, we know exactly what you're talking about because we're dealing with uh, with the uh, hey, w- what kind of train? What, what was your workout there at school today? We're dealing with that constantly to the point to mm-hmm. where a lot of our focus is on the recovery, uh, you know, which we have several modalities yeah. for that as well. But, uh, yeah, it's it's nuts. That's yeah. uh, and we, we, so we never know what they what they're coming yeah, in with. I. I th- I think up here in Canada, it's just like our society is just way less competitive than it is in the States. Like I, my high school coach, he said he went down to Texas and watched like a junior B hockey game, which is like just terrible hockey. But there were 10,000 people in the stands. You go to a junior B hockey game here, you got 50 people in the stands, right? So we're like, as a, as a society, Canadians, we're really missing that competitive aspect and we're missing investing into youth sports. Like if you came up here and saw some of the, the facilities these youth sports organizations use, you'd probably... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's there's it's no money allocated to it. It's interesting to hear you say that too, because um, I don't know. I guess just being from the south and being from this area, and, and you know, you you too, Chris. I mean, you're originally you're from kind of the Birmingham area too. So like we've lived here my whole yeah. life. That that is right, isn't it, Chris? Like okay, I, like I'm just I'm used to that. That's the norm. But like I have a soccer player um, who goes to school, uh, you know, in college in, in the south, but she's actually from England, and mm. you would think like that soccer being as big as it is over there that they would have a lot more facilities like you know what what we're offering and, and you're offering brad and you chris but they they don't like she's sitting mm-hmm. here trying to talk to me about it this summer saying like there's nothing like this where we are and i yeah. just thought that was a really interesting concept and now to hear you say the same thing that i guess it's not quite you know like that everywhere else yeah any like cutting edge facility you'd see in canada it's all private which is great i'm a i'm a big private guy I privatize everything but there's no like the government funded school with like a, a a great gym they're getting better now like spruce like the spruce grove high school i think they have like a squat rack now in their gym so at least they got something but yeah there's there's really no investment in youth sport development outside of the private sector so 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 let's. Uh, I, I want to get in. I want to get back to some of the the exercise theory, you know, and stuff as well. Because, like I said, I, you have a great track record as a coach, and you know, personally lifting. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a little bit about you know the management of volume and things like that, and the implementation of the lifts. Kind of walk me through a little bit of what your system looks like. I mean, being a West Side guy, for, for listeners who don't know, as West Side barbell is the mecca of, of powerlifting. I mean, Louis mm-hmm. Simmons was was, uh, you know, as big as it gets. And he's responsible for a lot of the things that, you know, you see basically everywhere uh, as when it goes to, you know, to, to training. Um, you know, and Brad, you know, worked under Louie. And, you know, you have that type of theory and, uh, you know, and, and working with a lot of heavy lifts and speed lifts. And so how do you take all that, you know, theory and all that knowledge and, and put it into a little bit more of an athletic type of program? you know, for your guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I should clarify, I never actually worked directly with Louie. I just read his books and, and anything that he put out, I devoured completely. Yeah. He was like the, the Messiah of training to me early in my career. Um, but yeah, so we have essentially two streams in our training. We have our beginner stream and then our advanced training stream. 
So with our beginner stream, our, our kind of target demographic for that is the youth athletes or someone who's never really been in a gym before, kind of a gen pop person just wants to get into it. If we look at that training stream, it's very like opposite of West Side. It's classic over uh, progressive overload periodization, very consistent. The exercises are the same for three weeks at a time. And we're really just trying to build the confidence and the, the movement capability of the young athletes. Um, that's that's a problem we've ran into as we've grown. Like when I first started out, I had, you know, 30 athletes, maybe if I was lucky. So it was easy enough to manage everyone, just kind of keeping it all in my brain of like, okay, you're doing this today, you're doing that today. But as we grew to 50, 60, 70 athletes, you know, on our roster, we, we noticed that all these young, like 15 and under kids would get really frustrated because they'd be doing split squats one week and then next week it's an RDL because I was, I was doing everything really conjugate, but they weren't getting enough time to adapt to anything and to progress anything. And then they get frustrated with training and they don't come back for the next off season. So when I got together with Rob, my, my new business partner in December, that's one of the first things that we had to tackle. We had to put together a better training program for the youth athletes so that they could see a little more benefit so they could get more engaged with training. Um, so that's where the beginner stream was born. But if we look over to the advanced training stream, that's where we start to see all the West Side implementation stuff. Um, the 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 way that we make that translate to athleticism is, you know, kind of like we talked about. It's 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 pretty much like the same stuff you would have seen the powerlifters doing at West Side if you went there and watched them train. It's just that the loading parameters are different, and we're probably jumping more than than they did at West Side. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just taking that that. Uh, guided approach long-term approach to an off-season having your um your accumulation phase your uh intensification phase and your transformation phase making sure that you're hitting all those parameters um and and making sure that we're not leaning too much on the strength side i think that's where when people hear west side and think athletes they think of just heavy weight being moved constantly but you know if you have a barbell with 500 pounds of plates on it and a barbell with 500 pounds of bands on it those bars act very differently you know what i mean so the way that you load the barbell is 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 what can really determine whether this is going to help build athleticism or build just like raw powerlifter type strength that doesn't really translate well to anything other than being a powerlifter. Um, and, and just accompanying that too with like, especially with the pro guys, we'll, I'll work with them collectively to say like, what days are you on field doing technique work and, and speed work and stuff? And we'll, we won't train, we'll do a care day on those days or something. We won't train heavy those days. So accommodating what they need to do to be the best athlete they can. And then just focusing on getting stronger, more explosive improving endurance early in the off season, um, building that GPP base, stuff like that. Um, and it, it just all kind of blends itself into the athleticism as long as we let them do their, their on field work and, and, and stuff like that. And that's, that's what I like about working with pro athletes is they have a pretty good idea of like what they need to be doing to get ready for camp. And then it's a matter of me assisting them. It's not like I have to know exactly what they need at every moment, right? They're much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for. They're just much more intrinsically intrinsically motivated, and they know their body better so than, I, I, say, a kid would, for sure. This is one bit I do know about the West Side Method, <clears throat> and that was he actually – he was probably the first powerlifting coach, guru – I'm referring to Louis Simmons, by the way uh, – that uh, that really mm -hmm. emphasized the mm -hmm. speed day. You know, that, that, that speed day where, you, you know, you're referring to the bands, where he would take, uh, yeah. you know, a fairly lightweight – Put a band or maybe some chains that that uh, that that would alter the resistance throughout the range of motion. So, in other words, as they get to the top of a lift, the bands will kick in more, and it would actually slow them down, sort of on purpose by increasing the resistance at the end range. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is it do you 
mm-hmm. apply that principle more with some more of your, say, your football players, your athletes. The non-power lifters, do you utilize that speed day more than, say, Louie would have advocated for a power lifter, or do you still use it about the same amount? I wouldn't say I use it more. It's, it's equally used, but it's more important in the athlete's program. Like for me as a power lifter, it might be like Monday is my speed bench day. But if I'm feeling really good, I might load up something heavy and just throw it up and see what happens because I can, I, I can just build that maximal strength. I don't really need much behind it other than just the, the pure strength. But for my athletes, it's like dynamic day. That's your main day. Max day, we can, I'm, I'm more than happy cutting out the max movement and we'll just do jumps and secondaries and accessories if, if you need to cut something out. But like that speed work is, that's, that's kind of the sweet spot. That's where we live with the athletes. So I wouldn't say that we do more of it. In fact, if I were to compare like macro cycle to macro cycle, the pro football guys probably do less overall volume on the speed days than I do as a power lifter. Um, but the, the intent is explosive and like that's, as they come in, I kind of set the expectation that like speed day is the big day. This is the Super Bowl. The bar needs to fucking fly today, right? Whereas max day, it's like, oh, you're not feeling great. Back's a little sore. Okay, well, let's we won't do the max deadlift today. Then we'll just move to the jumps, and then we'll do our accessories and our CT, little GPP, and get out of here. So, and, and I mean, you take it athlete by athlete. Like I have right now, I'm working with a, a DB who's like 205 pounds, and he's as strong as an ox. He's He just squatted... What did he do? We had 500 pound of band and two, 225 on the bar and he just blew it up. Like, no, you wanted more weight on the bar. I was like, no, nah, that's, that's fine. We're good. We don't need to add more weight. Um, but like he, so he's as strong as he needs to be. So we really need to just keep pushing that explosive and, and speed strength part for him. But then I have another guy on the same team, but he plays, you know, he's the one tech, he's the nose. So he's just got to be as brutally strong as possible. And it's nice if he's explosive and can get up and knock down passes and, you know, chase someone down to the sideline which he can do because he's a freak. But for a guy like that, it's like, all right, well, I know you're a little sore, but we, sh- we should probably get this deadlift in. We should probably get this strain. Maybe it's not over 100%, but let's let's lift something that's going to stimulate some adaptation, um, and then we'll get on to our jump. So kind of taking that that individualized approach to e- each athlete. Um, but that may change over time as, as we have more and more athletes at one time. Like this offseason is my busiest for pros. I have nine of them right now. Um, but I mean, if that, if that number jumps to 20, then we might have to adjust programming from there as well. So I want to follow up on the, on the speed, the speed day part. And, and Chris, that might've been part of your question. I had to, I had to turn away for a second and take care of something. So I might've missed it, but you know, we talk about the speed day and I think for some listeners who may not understand that, like we're not talking about like going out and sprinting that per mm-hmm. se, we're talking about, you know, moving sub weight max at maximum velocities. Yeah. How do how do you like to incorporate a, deny, a dynamic effort or slash speed day? You know, work with younger athletes who you know are you are you ready to you know implement a, a band? You know, like with a with a fourteen year old you know girl who's just learning. Like, how do you like to approach that? Yeah. So the way that would generally work is when they like if they're completely untrained kid, then they're going to start with the beginner training phase. And there's no power lifts in that. That's your your basic six foundational movements. I took that idea from John Russin. Um, What is it? What are the six push, pull, squat, hinge, lunge, carry. So we cover those six. We make sure we do all six of those each week. And then they're doing the same thing three weeks at a time to try to develop a little bit of motor pattern with that to try to develop those uh, movement capabilities. The, the point where the bands come in is in the advanced stream when you get to like level three 
which is like our highest level of training. That's when we'll start to incorporate accommodating resistance. Um, if you saw anything outside of level three in the gym, then you probably wouldn't know that, that I'm super influenced by West side. Cause it doesn't really look like West side. Um, so yeah, for those youth athletes, for like that 14 year old soccer girl, she's, she's probably not going to touch a barbell for a while. She's going to do a lot of our warm up, which is like calisthenics based body weight stuff, you know, push ups, pull ups, dips, single legs, split squats, stuff like that. Just master the body weight. Once she, once she's got that down, then it's like, all right, we could add some dumbbells in here for a little bit of load, maybe throw a weight vest on. Um, we might do like some jumps against bands. Like we call them X band jumps. Um, we might incorporate bands in that way. We also do like, everyone's going to do connective tissue work, which is super high rep band work, like 200 tricep press downs, 200 band pull apart, stuff like that. But as far as like hooking bands onto the barbell and doing that classic dynamic effort West side stuff, that's pretty much exclusively reserved for, for our level three athletes, which she could definitely get there, but it's, it's, there's going to be some time invested before, uh, we're doing any of that. I'm not in a rush to a younger Brad was really in a rush to get people into the power lifts, to get into the accommodating resistance. As I matured as a coach, I realized that like, we want to get the most adaptation we can with the least amount of stress possible. Yep. And we want to continue that because right, that's, that's what's going to bring the longevity. I'll, I'll in, just in, say in very quickly, define yeah, accommodating resistance. So we've sort of defined it already, but I just want to make sure our audience knows what you're referring to when you say accommodating resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm talking about anything that's going to help make the weight heavier as leverages improve. So it could be chains, could be bands, could be weight releasers. Um, that's all I'm aware of, but maybe there's another version out there. But yeah, basically, like as leverages improve, the weight is continuing to get heavier so that you have to accelerate through more of the range of motion, which theoretically, and I mean, in practice, it, it's helped us a lot, will help you apply more force to a barbell when those so bands think, aren't think there or those chains aren't there. Stretching a band more, say so you're getting to the top of your squat. You're stronger at the top of the squat than you are at the mm -hmm. bottom. So the bands actually increase the resistance yeah. as you're getting closer to the top. Or chains, you you load the chains more, whatever. Yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just again, I'm trying to paint a picture. Yeah, for our non powerlifter uh, listeners, for or sure. not our non yeah. Yeah. So if you. So if you hook like a blue band, like our heavy bands on the squat bar, it's about 220 pounds of tension when you stand up with it at my height at 5'9". Um, at the bottom of the squat, it's maybe about 100 pounds of band tension because there's less stretch on it. But as you start to move up in the squat and that band stretches more and more, the load increases because everyone will quarter squat more weight than they'll deep squat, right? I mean, that's why you go to a public gym and everyone's quarter squatting because that's, that's how you get the most weight on the bar. Or a lot of local high schools. Or a local high school, yeah, for sure. So yeah, having that and, and it's interesting to watch even like my pro guys. So right now we're in our uh, strength speed phase. So I don't know how into the weeds we want to go on the methodology, but there's speed strength, which is what your dynamic effort day is going to build. That's uh, submaximal weight moved to maximal velocity. Now we're doing a very short strength speed phase where we take 50% of their one rep max squat in bar weight. And then we take 50% of it in band tension. So they're at hundred percent of their squat, but half of it is band tension, which is if you took hundred percent of your squat in straight weight and 50, 50 band tension and weight, it feels way heavier with the bands. Cause they're just sucking you into the floor the whole time. You can't overcome it. Right. So to see these guys who are really strong, powerful guys, but they'll get to the box and then they've got 500 pound of band. So they might pop off the box a bit, but they're so used to being able to pop off the box and have momentum, carry them to the top. 
that they just get stapled right back down halfway up because they're not driving through enough of the range to to finish the movement right so to see that quasi-isometric strength click for them and and to see them grind through that lift was it's always super interesting to see because they very rarely do they come to me having much experience with with accommodating resistance i mean it's tough to do in a in a college setting where you've got 80 guys in a room lifting at the same time right so it's always cool to see that light bulb kind of click for them and then they learn how to grind through weight Um, because i've noticed like football players always you know, we have a spectrum of, of being strong and being explosive and everyone lies somewhere on that spectrum, but the football players are almost exclusively explosive. So when they take a heavy weight, if it doesn't go, then they just, it's not going to go. But if you watch a powerlifter take a heavy weight, it might not go at first, but they're going to keep grinding through it and finish that lift off. So I think one of the big things we do, especially with our pros is we, they have that explosive piece, but we help them gain that quasi isometric piece where you can really grind through something. So now when you hit someone on the field, if it's just hit and stalemate, it's not like you just stop now. You can keep driving through that that person or that ball carrier, whatever it might be, and and do some more damage on the field. I think the the moral of some of the things that you're saying right now for any any young athlete listening or any parent listening to this as well, because I get this a lot where you know we maybe our beginner phase is a little bit different than yours, but like. I'll use a lot of uh, like go to theory, you know, movement things like that, FRC type stuff, which I probably we probably don't have enough time to get into today. We've talked about it before, but and then and then the parent or the dad will step in, and then they'll be having them lift on their own, and then they come in and they're wondering why. For those who can't see, Brad's over there shaking his head. So thanks, <laughs> I appreciate that because it yeah. frustrates the shit out of me. It's for very sure. annoying. And yeah. so you know, the moral there, guys, is it's like, although. It, understand that like the foundation and the basics are are what's important as a young athlete like as coaches we have to pick the lowest hanging fruit to get the maximum return you know Mm -hmm. i tell them all the time if if, even if we decided to hit you with bands and chains and you know and and sumo speed pulls and everything else at 13 like okay fine say you you can make it through it safely like what the hell are we going to do with you when you're 20 like yeah what's next yeah your body adapts so it's like dads and parents you guys need to back off a little bit and let the coaches handle that and and help or ask questions but the kids yeah it may look cool but understand that's not what you need to get better Mm -hmm. you don't need that right now yeah one of the best things i ever heard that helped me kind of because when i was a young a young coach i was doing like let's go deadlift and and you're 13 years old you're not ready for this but let's go do it but one of the things that really made that click for me was hearing dave tate talk about nutrition it was at a point where he was like he was going out of powerlifting into bodybuilding so he was cutting a lot of fat um and he said like imagine you're eating 6,000 calories a day and you want to lose weight, you wouldn't drop to 1,800 calories a day right off the bat because that'll work, but when it stops working, where do you go? You can't survive on anything less than 1,800. So you would take your 6,000 calorie diet and drop it to you know 5,900 calories and lose weight on that, and then when that doesn't work, you drop to 5,800 calories, right? You, you have this progression that you can go through and it's the same with training if you're going to come in the gym and we're going to throw bands on the bar and and absolutely get after it on day one well what are we going to do next off season because we've you know we've we've tapped out everything we can with this so yeah that that long-term progression is super important and to the credit of the parents that of our athletes like We've never really had a parent who's like, well, I'm going to take my kid to the gym and make him lift because it's not enough here. We've definitely had parents who like call us concerned and say, hey, like this is what your the, the so-and-so says they're doing in there. I'm worried they're not lifting enough. Are they going to be strong enough for the season? 
but then it's kind of that conversation of like, listen, you're, you're paying me a lot of money. We, we do this with a lot of people, just trust the process. And more often than not, they do. And then get to the season and their kid is, you know, night and day stronger than everyone else and, and faster mm-hmm. and more explosive. So yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the parent community that we've had with our young athletes. It hasn't been much friction with it, but I've definitely heard horror stories of, you know, parents that'll take their kids from the gym to another gym to go lift because it's not enough. And yeah, yeah it gets brutal. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what, uh, what are, uh, what are some of the things that you do like to do, uh, you know, aside from lifting? So we got to wrap this up here in just a couple minutes, like joint, joint health, joint care. You know, we work with a lot of baseball and mm-hmm. I, I work with a lot of swimmers too. Like mm-hmm. how, what's your philosophy in like a, you know, real short two minute clip here. Like how do you approach joint health? Yeah, so I, I just recently was uh, got FRC certified. I want to say September of 22, I got FRC certified. So we've been playing with that, and, and man, I love that system. I still I don't have a full grasp on how I want to utilize it yet, but in just playing with the pieces, uh, I just love it. So one of the things that we've – it was actually Zach, that the kid that I taught to squat, like my first athlete, he went down in 2016 and did the FRC course and then came back taught me cars and then we started doing cars with our athletes so that's our like our pre-warm-up ritual do your cars get your tissue warm we also try to encourage them to do a morning cars routine so that we're we're, the more we can move that joint the healthier that joint's going to be right because that's what's pumping the fluid through it and the fluid is what's healing the tissue so we're big on cars Um, we'll even like with our pro guys we'll superset cars between every exercise that we do so you'll you'll do a set of maybe dumbbell bench and then you'll get up and do two shoulder cars on each side and then take your break very quickly Um, yeah yeah cars car yeah for sure controlled articular rotation so essentially taking a joint through the fullest range of motion you possess while isolating that joint completely so developing tension through the body so nothing else can move and just moving that one particular joint that you're trying to target through its fullest range that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, <clears throat> Brad, we could keep talking shop forever, man. I, like I said, I, I respect you so much. Like it's like we've, we've developed a little bit of a friendship over the last year, a couple sure, of years or sure. two. And yeah. man, you're, you're a hell of a coach, man. Um, and I, I, I definitely want to bring you on a, another time and, and maybe we can dig into a little bit more of, you know, the, the structure of things and, and the details of loading parameters and all that fun stuff that, you know, guys like us love. Um, but man, we're going to yeah, have to wrap this up today, episode. but tell everybody where, where they can find you. For sure. We're on uh, Instagram at eats.sg, SG for Spruce Grove, um, on Facebook. I think it's Facebook backslash lead athlete training systems, real, real sexy URL, um, elite athlete training systems.com. Uh, we have a TikTok, but I don't know what it is. I've never opened it. Um, I don't, I don't I really care about either. TikTok. <laughs> I think we have one too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, probably if, if you're trying to get in touch, probably IG is the, is your best option or with our uh, contact info is on the website as well. Lead athlete training systems.com. Awesome. Well, man, keep, uh, keep kicking ass up there at the gorilla compound. Um, sure. that's a, that's a great gym, man. So, um, appreciate you coming on. Look forward to connecting with you again here soon. And, uh, Absolutely. yeah, man. Have a uh, have a great day, guys. Remember, please share the show. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Share the show. Leave a review. Show Brad some love too. We appreciate Thanks, you. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, guys.